Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, I appreciate you still getting up this morning and doing this with me because I know you're as upset as I am watching Tom Brady just look lost out there last night like an old man and the game passed him by. It was it was really tough to watch that. I felt so bad for him. Well, you know, I was just wondering if uh, John Harbaugh is going to be able to maybe package those timeouts he took with him into the locker room after that loss to the Bengals. That's a good point. He starts next year's game with five in his pocket, right? The first game. I thought maybe he could use them in the draft and move up (laughs) in the first round. I like that. Maybe he doesn't. Not sure who his pick is yet. Clock's running down. Let's get a little timeout here and think things over. (laughs) Just calm down a little bit. Uh, not the best coaching display from some people around the league on this weekend. Well, oh, yeah, and uh, my point, though, I'm not so much making fun of John Harbaugh, kind of I am, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's just that, um, you know, these kinds of things don't only happen in Pittsburgh. Right. Some of these people so. that submit these questions might disagree <laughs> might disagree <laughs> with you on that one, but... We got a ton of great stuff to get into today on Asked and Answered. Let's get right to it. Of course, we start out with a quarterback-related question. This one coming from Richard Durbin in Canton, Ohio. Have the Steelers ever had to use their emergency quarterback to play in a game? Um, you know, I can't really speak to all of history, but I know it happened one time for sure. October 9th, 1977, uh, the Steelers were playing the Oilers in the Astrodome. Um, Bradshaw broke his wrist in the first quarter. Um, Mike Kruzek separated, separated the shoulder on the final play of the third quarter. Um, so then that meant Tony Dungy, uh, in the hall of fame as a coach, but then a rookie safety for the Steelers, uh, was sitting on the bench and, um, you know, as, as Dungy tells the story, you know, he said he was sit, Dungy said he was sitting there. And then the next thing he knew, uh, Chuck Knoll was tapping him on the shoulder, uh, telling him he was going to be the quarterback uh, throughout the fourth quarter. Uh, now the Steelers end up would end up losing that game, twenty-seven to ten. The reason that it came down to Dungy, I mentioned the two injuries. Uh, the, the the Steelers' third quarterback, Neil Graff, had been cut um, earlier, training camp, preseason, something like that. Um, and Dungy was had played some quarterback in college at the University of Minnesota, so he was a logical candidate. Um, 
you know, Dungey was just, you know, in, in October 1977, uh, he was still learning the Steelers' defense. Um, he was a safety, reserve safety. At the time, he was being tutored by Donnie Schell. Uh, and in that game, before he went in to be the quarterback, he had actually intercepted a pass <laughs> wow. uh, in the Astrodome. And so uh, Dungy's claim to fame, um, not that he brought the Steelers back to a dramatic fourth quarter victory like Trevor Lawrence or anything, but he did become the first modern era player in NFL history to throw an interception and have an interception in the same game. I don't know if that's been matched yet, but I have a feeling it hasn't. It seems like a pretty hard thing for someone to do. Well, you know, you have guys who throw like four in the first half <laughs> and then come back and uh, win a wild card game with four or five touchdowns or whatever it was. But no, uh, throwing one and having one, um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit unusual. Brian Fior from Sumico, Wisconsin, can't get enough of the emergency backup quarterback questions as he asks, <laughs> understanding that if the emergency quarterback was to be called upon, the situation is pretty dire. But with the starter getting the majority of reps and the backup getting the remainder, is there any work done with the emergency quarterback during regular season practices? No. I mean, no. It, it, it's just not. Uh, the only... The only situation that I could even envision where something like that might be even considered would be if one of the two, the starter or the backup, had some sort of nagging situation where there was a hint that maybe they either wouldn't be able to play or they wouldn't be able to get through the game. Uh, maybe then, you know, there's some you know, for the emergency quarterback. But, you know, NFL rosters now, especially the teams that have three quarterbacks, you know, the emergency guy, I mean, he's fourth. Right. So, yeah, no, no and, practice time. And you're not only taking away reps from the quarterbacks to give it to the emergency backup, you're taking away his reps from his normal position group. Like, for example, Gentry this year, you take him away from the tight ends to have him get under center. That doesn't seem very productive. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's you also don't want to, waste reps for your defense, you know, uh, working against, against the, the guy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's no. So as a rule, no. Craig Block from Canton, Georgia. With the long drive that the Steelers had against Carolina, has the league thought out what would happen if a team gets the ball first in overtime, takes the full 10 minutes, and then kicks a field goal? Game is over. If the field goal is good. Right. If the field goal is good, the game is over. Uh, that's it. Grant Spellerberg from Cutler Bay, Florida. Juju Smith-Schuster may be a free agent in 2023. Do you think the Steelers would have any interest in him? You know, um, I, I think that this, that kind of, this is kind of being viewed uh, backwards by Grant. Um, I would say that, you know, because let's be honest, Juju Smith-Schuster was an unrestricted free agent. So if he was real last year, I mean, so if he was interested in playing for the Steelers, he would still be playing for the Steelers. Yes. You know, he decided to seek a change of scenery and that's completely his right under the rules of unrestricted free agency. But, you know, I think the question at this point would be, uh, does Juju have any interest in the Steelers? Yeah, I don't and think. Yeah. I, 
Go ahead. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think that's a reality. Um, he's moved on. I think uh, Juju is looking for a big payday, and I, I would say that he um, looked at the Steelers without Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, you know, and when he was looking at them, uh, there wasn't really, and maybe Trubisky had been signed, but you know, the rest of the quarterback situation hadn't crystallized at all. And the other team over here that wanted him had Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. So not a tough decision. Not a tough decision. Yeah. That's like you doing this podcast with me (laughs) or with, say, Pursuit. I would never betray you like that, Labs. (laughs) Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. William Calvin from Apollo Beach, Florida. When the Steelers claim a player off another team's practice squad like they just did with linebacker Trey Crowder, how do they determine his salary as a member of the Steelers roster? If the salary offer is not to his liking, can he refuse to move to the new team? Okay, yeah, first things first. Players on a team's practice squad are not required to go to another team that wants to sign him to their active roster. Mm. Um, so it's not like waivers where if you're waived and a team claims you, you know, your, um, your options are to play for the team that claimed you off waivers or not play at all. But if you're on a practice squad, you're not required to go. Now, you know, not going is crazy because, (laughs) you know, a practice squad guy, you're making, I'm picking a number. This is kind of, it, it can vary. But let's just say for the sake of, you know, this discussion, around seven to $8,000 a week. Okay. Now for to go on an active roster, you know, the minimum is like $775,000 a year. So you do a little bit of quick arithmetic there, divide that up. You know, it's around $35,000, $36,000 a week. And, you know, a team that does that has to keep you on their active roster for three straight weeks. So that's three times that. So it's like 24,000 or, you know, whatever, 35 times three over a hundred. So yeah, it's, it's not that uh, often that a player will decline that um, opportunity. So, okay. So there's that. Uh, and you also, you're working, uh, adding towards your um, accrued for free agency for yourself. So, you know, it really, it, it's it's a no-brainer uh, for a guy on a practice squad to go to a team that wants to put them on their 53-man roster. And then as, as, in terms of what, you know, the salary is going to be, as I mentioned, just the minimum. And this is a, you know, the minimum for a player with very little to no previous NFL experience. You know, uh, Trey Crowder, he had he came into the league in 2020. So he's technically a third-year player in 2022. So his 
minimum is going to be higher right. than a, a rookie minimum, you know. So I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. And that that the salary again, if if you're claiming a guy off another team's practice squad, you're pretty much giving him the minimum that uh, would come along with his years of experience. There's no signing bonuses or any of that stuff because. If this guy was really that good, he wouldn't be on a practice squad. And beggars can't be choosers. So, the, you know, the whole salary thing is quickly resolved. Um, you know, it's pretty much, you know, do you want a big jump bump in pay? And the answer is yes. Yeah, basically, if someone got signed off a practice squad and said, no, thanks, you might want to send him for mental evaluation at that point. It really <laughs> wouldn't make much or, sense at all. You know, or if, or if he's married or has a family, um, you know, his <laughs> wife might take care of that for Call the wife first, yeah. Yeah. Todd Gooding from Portridge, Michigan. At Penn State, Franco Harris wore number 34. Did he want to wear number 34 when he first came to the Steelers? And how did he end up with number 32? Well, I mean, you know, in the 30s, and this is 1972, so the the, um, the jersey numbers available weren't, aren't hadn't been expanded, you know, Team or players at certain positions have to wear jerseys, jersey numbers in a certain range, and so um, for the Steelers at that time, number thirty-four was not available. That was Andy Russell's number, and number thirty-three was not available. That was Frenchie Fuqua's number. So, you know, when you're looking at the numbers in the thirties, which you know I, I would imagine Franco was kind of interested in, because as mentioned in the question, he wore 34 at Penn State, you know, 32 was probably the one in that area that was available to him. Pat Flynn from Oakdale, Pennsylvania, is asked an answer translated into Spanish on the Steelers Spanish website. No, it's not available uh, on Steelers.com slash Espanol. That's the um, URL for the Steelers Spanish website. Um, I don't know if that's if the you know the Spanish speaking Spanish speaking Steelers fans have decided um, you know they don't want to be exposed to my rapier <laughs> wit, um, but um, it is not available. And I failed Spanish three times at Duquesne, so not the best. For you're not me. not the you're, best. You're not you're not available to translate. <laughs> not, not the best translator. No. <laughs> I can use Google Translate, but that's leading to me failing in Duquesne. Okay, moving on. Don Exum from New Lenox, Illinois. The Steelers drafted a linebacker out of Purdue in the 1970s by the name of Mark Gaffert. How long did he play, and do you have any stats on his career? Um, okay. Um, Mark Gaffert, I believe is the way it's pronounced. Uh, not to... See, I can't even That's speak okay. English. Wow. Um <laughs> He was part of the 1974 draft class. He was an eighth-round pick out of Purdue. Um, he was the 204th overall selection. So, you know, Mark didn't have a real good chance to crack the roster, <laughs> being that, uh, gee, I don't know, the starting three were Andy Russell, Jack Hammond, num a number two pick named Jack Lambert, who was going to end up uh, as the leading newcomer in the middle. So, uh, he had little, Gefford has had little chance to earn a roster spot. He was waived before the start of the regular season. He did not have an NFL career at all. He played 16 games over two seasons in the Canadian Football League for the Winnipeg, I think they were even then known as the Blue Bombers. 
and that was the extent of his professional football uh, career. Larry Ward from Wichita, Kansas. With the popularity of the Steelers' block number jerseys, has there ever been talk of going back to this in black and white as the team's full-time jersey style? Um, i got to be honest with you, Larry. The only talk I ever hear about changing the numbers on the Steelers' jerseys to the block numbers is from fans. I, I mean, that's yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's all we talk about, and I'm a part of that because I love those block jerseys. I I won't go all the way to the extreme of bring them back full time. I'm just on the bandwagon of bring back the gray face mask when you do go for the alternate jerseys. Well, like I told you, that could be a manufacturing issue. You're right, but maybe they I may not make those. They may not make those anymore, or I'll just grab because some spray they're all paint in, or something. Yeah, I, again, I don't know. I, But no team wears gray ones. Nope. So maybe they don't make gray ones anymore. Sunil George from Princeton, New Jersey. With J.J. Watt retiring and on the path to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, this brings up the question of T.J. Watt's chances of getting into the Hall of Fame. Also, how many brothers are in the Hall of Fame? Um. Okay. I'm not getting into T.J. Watt's candidacy <laughs> for the Pro Football Hall of Got Fame. Got a little I mean. more uh, life left in his NFL career before we get to that point. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, the only There are no brothers, wow. player, brothers as players in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, and the best that I could say slash predict is, you know, Peyton Manning is already in the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning is going to be eligible fairly soon. Um, if he's elected, that would make them yes. uh, the first brothers, and maybe they could do a Manning cast on it. <laughs> Manning cast their own induction? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine I mean, if Eli's be... doing his speech and Peyton's like in the box in the TV, like, what a terrible speech this is. This No wonder I'm better <laughs> at him at everything. They're arguing about, uh, <laughs> you know, drinking Pepsi and eating Lay's potato chips while they're watching playoff football or something. <laughs> Who knows? Or Peyton could be making fun of uh, – kicker who keeps missing extra points <laughs> that was great tv though <laughs> <laughs> oh i you know I, I never said it wasn't entertaining <laughs> I, you know yes rich fiore from cave creek arizona i have seen this stat for defensive backs but i really don't understand the full meaning when the stat sheet says a player has x number of passes defensed what does that mean does it mean that the defensive back actually had an active role in stopping the pass does it also mean that the defensive back was in a position that caused the receiver to not catch the pass? Does it also mean that just by being there, the receiver didn't catch the pass? Okay. Um, pass is defensed, and, and usually in the, uh, in the uh, NFL play-by-play, uh, they are designated as PD, um, and that, that's in the defensive, on the defensive stat page. Now, Passes defensed and tackles, neither of those are recognized NFL statistics. And this is why. Because those statistics are compiled by the home team stats crew. So if, you know, you're playing, the Steelers are playing in Baltimore. The Baltimore Ravens stats crew decides what is a pass defense Ah. or what is a tackle. Who gets credit? What is a solo tackle? What is an assisted tackle? You know, and on and on and on. So that's why when you see, you know, a lot of times you won't see the NFL 
and all of the NFL stats that they compile and publish every week for the whole league. Tackles are ne never mentioned. Passes defensed are never mentioned because of why I just explained it. So anyway, so before you get excited, uh, Rich, about a pass defense statistic, understand that. Now, I did ask Mike Tomlin to explain what he mean, what he understands to mean uh, as a pass defense. And there are teams, I don't think the Steelers do this, there are teams that do not publish their stats mm. until the defensive coaches and the special teams coordinator go over the film and then they um, award the tackles and passes defense and stuff, and then the team compiles it that way. Mm. But, you know, the time the time element of it, when the, when the PR department has to get these stats out and what the coaches are doing, you know, it's just not a really high percentage, um, you know, or a high priority, let's put it that way, right. for the coaches. So anyway, this is Mike Tomlin's uh, explanation of what qualifies as a pass defense, and this is a direct quote from him. Ball targeted toward a receiver and a defender doing something physically to ensure that the catch is not made. Breaking the ball up, dislodging the ball, pulling the ball out, hitting the elbow of the receiver, making it somewhat of an uncatchable play. It has to be some physical confrontation from a defensive back to limit the potential for a catch. It's not the closest defensive back on a drop or the closest defensive back on an overthrow, etc. It has to be some positive action by the defensive back. Now, all obviously, that would apply to a linebacker too, if right. the linebacker is in coverage. But but to a de to the defender, um, is the is the best way to say it and understand it. Our final question today comes from Charles McRucky from Hinkley, California, and this is how you come full circle, Labs. I remember when Tony Dungy being used as an emergency backup quarterback in 1977. Please continue the story with an explanation of how the Steelers handled the quarterback situation in the following weeks. Uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, the week after that loss to the Oilers, uh, Bradshaw was healthy enough to play. End of story. He started. There wasn't a real position battle there, huh? Heading into next no. week. No, <laughs> no. Terry Bradshaw with his two Super Bowl rings, um, I think, was able to withhold the challenge of Mike Kruzik. That'll do it for us today here on Ask and Answered. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Get your questions in the labs now. Maybe you'll hear it on a future edition. Before Bob Labriol, I'm Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you next week on Ask and Answered. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, 
Ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.